Welcome to Uncontained, episode 69. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and on the show today, I speak to director, writer, actor, filmmaker, Matthew Abaya. I'm excited that I actually got a chance to meet up with Matthew because he's been touring around the world promoting his new film, Vampiria, a vampire movie of Filipino vampire lore. Vampiria has been racking up numerous awards at film festivals across the world. When I finally got the opportunity to sit down with Matt, he was getting ready to leave for Transylvania, you know, the place where all vampires are from, or at least that one they called Dracula anyway. And I just got an update via Facebook on the Transylvania Film Festival. Vampiria took home a Golden Stake Award, which is completely awesome. I'd like to invite you to listen in on my conversation with Matthew Abaya. And also, if you've been enjoying the show, I'd like to invite you to click the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast player you enjoy listening to this podcast on. And share it with a friend. Because caring is sharing, as they say. And word of mouth is the best way to spread the word. So please, I appreciate all of you that are out there talking about Uncontained and spreading the word about Vampiria as well. I'll keep you waiting no longer. This is my conversation with director, writer, and creator of Vampiria, Matthew Abaya. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on Uncontained. You're actually not a stranger to the show. No, I'm not. You have been on once before, one of my first return guests, actually. But you were were on with the Haunted Bay. Yes. A crew that goes around and finds haunted locations in the Bay Area. That was a fun episode. A little chaotic with four people. Right, right. But we started talking about your film that is being shown across the world right now. Right on. You've won a few awards with that, correct? Yes, we did. We actually won quite a few awards. All right. And uh, to say the name of the film, it's uh, Vampiria. Vampiria. Just in case uh, you want to Google the trailer, uh, make sure you do. Uh, so where, what awards have you won and where have you won them? Well, our first award was actually at our world premiere at the Visual Communications Los Angeles Asian Pacific American Film Festival. We won it for Best Visual Effects. We actually won a lot of them for visual effects, um, including the Urban Action Film Festival in New York. Just came back from the Eugene Asian American Film Festival. We won up there. And then the other ones for Best Picture. We actually won a local uh, uh, Best Picture award here in San Francisco for Another Hole in the Head. And we just picked up two awards, both for Best Picture and Producing, in the International Film Festival Hong Kong. Really? Wow. So really going worldwide with this. Yes. And um, so how, how did you get into a film festival all the way in Hong Kong? Wow. You know, just with any film festival, you just kind of submit it and you just, you know, I'm sure every filmmaker is going to relate to this. It's like you just say a few Hail Hydras and you say, oh, man, I want to get into this film festival. <laughs> and you hope for a reply back that says you are in. And apparently that's one of the film festivals we got into. All right, great, great. So you mentioned also a special effects award was one of the first awards you uh, won. And in the movie, you know, you have the 
Filipino vampire lore, which I didn't know there were different types of vampires yes, until are. I talked to you. I always thought like of the Transylvanian, I want to suck your blood <laughs> type thing. Right. But uh, Filipino vampires are different. They split in half. Yes, they do. How did you manage to capture that effect? Well, wow, there's a, a few different effects that happens. A lot of times it's just carefully planning your shots. Like how many times you actually have to show the actor split in half and what you actually want them to do when they uh, split in half. For the most part, we use green screen pants for like any time where we had the live actor okay. where we actually had to physically split them in half. So essentially you're just seeing an actor and, you know, who's acting along just pretending as if she's flying or she's perched up on certain objects and then we were able to just go in digitally remove her legs we again it's also it's not just her legs she also has these ginormous bat wings that she has yeah right? so those were that was another thing that was something that we had to, to go around not only does she not have legs she has these huge bat wings that's how the uh, the aswang legend or the filipino vampire legend works sometimes it's like digitally created wings that we had to have the actor wear a special rig with LED lights on to let us know okay. where that the wings would go. And other times it was it was actually puppeted wings that another person is standing right behind the actor, simply <laughs> making. I know it's very very high tech that one, <laughs> but we had to make some very good practical wings to actually match the actor's movement. So it was a combination of things, and then for some shots where it was too difficult to show both the legs and the wings not attached to the same body, we actually made a three dimensional scan of the actor. And we had to animate that one. Really? Mm -hmm. So we can do 360 degrees of fighting, mid-air combat battle, and, well, making a latte if you can hear that sound. Yeah, yeah, we are in a tea shop right now, so Kati, I think, is... K-A-T-E-A. K-A-T-E-A in San Francisco. Um, They're letting us record here. Not, yeah. not not sponsoring the show or anything, but I'll give them a shout out. We got to give them a shout out for letting <laughs> us sit here and drink uh, lychee and yes, stuff here. Yes, so... Okay, we were talking before we actually started uh, the interview, and you mentioned something that I never thought about, doing, like, green screen shots. Right. When you get rid of the legs, you got to make sure the hands, mm-hmm. make sure the hands are stay in front of the person. Yes, in front of the actor. So, you know, one of the things that you have to worry about for certain special effect shots is certain types of blocking don't always work. In the case where you're wearing an act, having an actor who's wearing green screen pants and you're supposed to be flying around if their hands for some reason slide behind their back where their maybe their rear end is or something yeah they're suddenly their hand is going to disappear because they got they're wearing green pants and <laughs> everything that's south of the south of their waistline is going to go away yeah and so no picking your butt while you're Nothing in green like screen pants it is pretty tight like so you might want to pull at it every once in a while but you know it didn't it didn't work out that way so oftentimes I had to keep acting uh, reminding the actors to keep their hands in particular areas that didn't give away the visual effect of how we're pulling this off and also another uh, characteristic of the Filipino vampire that I did not know about was the tongue that would shoot out like 10 feet yes and how how did you end up doing that effect? There's quite a few, yeah. We had a few techniques. I mean, one of them was a silicon tongue that we had made. Actually, uh, one of our makeup artists had, you know, you know, was really good at doing the mold work and just create this, like, I believe the original tongue was about four feet, three to four feet long, right? Um, I'm still thinking in metric system all of a sudden, <laughs> but um, 
And then the other part was a, uh, a computer-generated tongue. So okay. we'd have to track like the actor's face and figure out how this tongue was going to come out. So it was a bit of a, a lot of careful um, computer rotoscope work to make sure that this tongue looked, this computer-generated tongue looked like it was coming out of her mouth. So it was a combination of computer-generated and practical effects, as with everything in the film. Yeah, okay, so it's kind of a tough trick to, it's, or is it tough to kind of map like the and make sure the tongue doesn't get separated so it looks like it's coming out of the cheek or oh, something like yes, that? Oh, yes, absolutely, because, um, well, let's just say that doing any kind of CG work is a lot of math work. Luckily, for most of the visual effects, I, the, most of the hardest ones, I had a really good person on deck, Julia Sanchez, who was responsible for most of the motion capture of the film, okay. especially when it came to the actual computer-generated, full-bodied computer-generated characters. The kind of stuff that I would be responsible for mostly was grafting the CG wings to the actor, okay, and doing the tongue effects. The tongue effects were all the tongue effects that was pretty much was my work, where we would have to pretty much just tell the computer where to follow the face. And if there was any, watch it frame by frame and then make any careful adjustments if we felt like it was falling off. But you got to be careful when you're doing that because it could start to look really choppy when you do that. The other thing, too, that really helps out a lot and people don't think about this is that the way we see the world is not that perfect, right? Sometimes yeah. the less perfect, the better. Like when you wave your hand in front of your face like this, your hand isn't, in, isn't sharp. Correct. It's, uh, it's kind of wavy. It's, it's kind of blurring. And then look like some, you have five hands or whatever. Yeah, you got many fingers when you wave your hand in front of your hand. You're like, ooh, look at I got 20 fingers. Look at that. Look at that. You know? <laughs> but that's actually what helps sell things. Is sometimes the less perfect it looks, sometimes even the better it sells. Okay. Okay. So, like, perfection itself makes it look fake. Sometimes, like, yeah, you know, I look, I, one thing I always get to me is, like, I just watch all the Hollywood films. Like, there's, like, everything is so CG and everything is so close and up and in your face that often, after times, it starts to, you start to notice, hey, this is fake. It looks cool, but it still looks fake, right? You're, there's something about the human eye can tell it, but something blurs a little bit, has motion to it, then it starts to sell better, you know? Yeah. Okay. The... Perfection and imperfection kind of makes uh, makes it work like that. Right, so, right, right. Uh, there have been lots of vampire movies out. Yes. Okay. Yes. But out here, at least in the states, I've never seen a Filipino one. Uh, yeah. What what inspired you to create a Filipino vampire mm. movie? Well, first off, just wanting to do something different. Okay. You know, it's like um, we've seen Blade, we've seen Lost Boys, we've seen Underworld, we've seen. Hopefully, some of you have not seen the, uh, the what is it, the Twilight series. I'm just kidding. If you the are glittery a fan. vampires. Oh God, yes. I know. I know it's a plague of the universe, but for 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 true vampire aficionados. But some people like it too. It doesn't matter. It's your it's your thing. But we've seen so many variations of it, but I always realize it always stems from the very European versions of it. And I wanted to make a movie where I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. Cause like the movie, we see various kinds of vampires. We even see the Chinese vampire show up in the movie. He's the hopping one called the, the, the Gungsi. Okay. So it's like I said, I wanted to show that there was a world of various kinds of vampires who probably come from a very similar genus, like kind of like a strain or something. So we just wanted to be able to, sh to show that. I mean, being that I'm half Filipino and uh, being born and raised in the States, I remember going on a trip to Manila with my grandmother ages ago. I'm not going to say when exactly. <laughs> I can. It was in the last century. Okay. Uh, and uh, 
And let's just say that she, we watched. That makes them. it sound a really long time ago. And it really wasn't. It was actually much, <laughs> much, much, much sooner than you think. At least, at least had to be 17 years ago, right? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. This was. Yeah. A, he wasn't a Londoner, but most of the action takes place in London, not in his native Transylvania. And so here we are. Let's say say he's a, she's a stranger from a different shore, right? She is coming aboard a Spanish galleon into the New World. And how does she survive all these hundreds of years undetected? And what happens when a hunter comes after her? And so I wanted to pose all these interesting questions, and it definitely stems from uh, Philippines' colonial history of why would this Aswang even end up here in the states? Yeah. Okay, it makes sense. Um, and kind of, it was a very interesting story mm-hmm. because, as I mentioned, I hadn't seen anything Filipino vampire related, mm-hmm. and it was learning a whole new lore. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you get sick of the same vampire story. Right, right. So, no, um, somebody said you could go with it. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to suck your blood and stuff like that. And then now you have vampires splitting in half and shit. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they don't have to retreat to their coffins as long as they can make it back to their legs before daybreak, you know, and they won't burn up in the sun. Yes, yes. And thank you for not making them sparkly and glittery. No, like no in sparkle, Twilight. no glitter. <laughs> Unless they go to Bed Bath & Beyond, I can't help you. All right, all right, yeah, get the the body glitter, which... Yeah, the body glitter, you know. I could sparkle if you want. I could just put on a little (laughs) bit of that, you know, and walk out in the sun and look at me. I'm beautiful. As Dimitri Martin called glitter, Uh it's the herpes of the arts and crafts world. Oh, no. Because once you get it on you, you never get it off. Oh, man. (laughs) So horrible. Yeah, yeah. Just don't breathe it in. We don't know what's in it. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, (laughs) So... What got you into film? Film. Wow, I've been into film since eight. You know, my, my uncle was really into film. My grandmother was really into film. You know, I noticed, like, when I went back to the Philippines that a lot of my relatives that I, 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 I these more distant relatives that I kind of just, you know, ran into there, they're all into the arts and the arts and the film. Like, they're all musicians and filmmakers. I realized, wow, that just straight up runs in the family. Okay, okay. So when did you first make your attempt at making films? Um, when I was eight. Um, when you were eight? Yeah, I did Super 8 movies, like, you know, before video okay. became in vogue, right? And then, so that means you actually had to shoot on a film cartridge and then mail it out to a, a, a chemical lab, and then you have to wait a week later to see if you had anything that was even anything good. Oh, really? Yes. I mean, it, Kids nowadays are so spoiled. I mean, it's like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that I'm jealous of them, that <laughs> they have access to all these really awesome tools that I wish I had as a kid, yeah. you know? And so, so what I do is a makeup for it is I, I teach it. You know, I teach kids how to use those tools. And I tell them, you don't realize how freaking miraculous it is. You could shoot something with your phone, make it look somewhat good, and then cut it to music and have sound effects and visual effects. And, and you have something to actually show for it, you know? Do you make them do uh, it the old-fashioned way a couple times or at least once to, uh, you know, Mm. kind of at least appreciate the history of it? Well, I don't think we have the budget to, like, you know, mail out to the the chemical labs, but I think it would teach them discipline if they knew that they only had three minutes to shoot something. Like, I'm sorry, three minutes worth of footage to shoot, not three minutes of actual shoot time. So you could spend as much time as you want planning for it, but you only had three minutes to convey your story and you had to conserve because it only could stay on that one cartridge. Yeah. They, they have little film vessels that kind of run through that, but definitely, you know, going through that as a, as a young person, it shot me a lot of discipline that I think is hard to, hard to appreciate nowadays. 
Yeah, because I remember when I was like getting started in audio mm-hmm. and video production, I had to do reel to reel. Oh they, yeah. Like it wasn't necessarily that I had to, but my teacher made us do reel to reel just so we knew how it worked back there. Right. Then we were able to go to like Adobe Audition or Cool Edit Pro. Keep running like that. audio until your heart's desire, and exactly eventually something good will come out of it. You used to have to have a big big rig or in a studio to record stuff now you have this like zoom h6 right here that we're speaking into and it makes it so much easier so we could be just wholly mobile you got a mobile studio right here and we're in the middle of a coffee shop or tea shop that is uh yeah. you know just doing a quick little interview here you know this is great exactly exactly and uh so when was the first time you started when you were eight uh-huh uh, when was the first time that you actually put together uh, a short or a movie? I remember coming back in, you know, in 90-something. <laughs> and I, I went to College of San Mateo Film School, and I remember just taking Super 8 classes over there. They don't have Super 8 classes anymore, by the way, you know, because they just... Yeah. And I remember just shooting a lot of Super 8. In fact, I, I think my first few Super 8 films that got into festivals... People would always think I only would shoot on Super 8 for a short while. I still like that aesthetic. I think I shoot with my cell phone, specifically with some Super 8 filters, because I still like that look, because it looks just like I'm shooting with, like, Super 8 film. But I I went to film school, and I would do lots of Super 8 movies, and I would go into festivals as short films. The original Vampiria film was actually a short film called Bumpinai, which was shot dually on... This is my transition to digital age. I was shooting on Super 8 and like a digital high 8 camera. Okay. So it was kind of a mixed thing. But only when I shot on the digital 8, I only would shoot on night vision. So I, and I would shoot at a really slow shutter speed and add like some kind of a cool 16 millimeter effect to it. So it looked like kind of the same foot. It came from the same footage. So, okay, so, so you didn't have like a drastic change in uh, camera stock. It, 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 it actually I did that stylistically, and then it was like after the fact I discovered this other movie from the Philippines that was called the English title is the call. Uh, they called it Bloodsuckers, but that was like a really bad translation of it. Okay, it was called the the night is the the night is the color of blood. It was called from the Tagalog title. Okay, Angkulay ng dugo ng gabi, right? Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I, what I think I really liked about it was they would shoot black and white film for them, some scary night scenes, and then they would color tint it either blue or red, or yeah. it would shift between it. And I said, wow, that looks exactly like the effect I was trying to I, I was trying to achieve. But I found out after the fact that they did exactly the same thing back in the '60s. So I was like, this is pretty pretty wicked, you know. Yeah. And it was yeah. a vampire film of all things too. Okay, so uh, who who influenced your filmmaking? Oh God, I mean, you know, I, I know my uncle, uh, my uncle Craig was really influential in the earlier days for introducing to me to like what what George Lucas actually did. I, I remember loving Star Wars when I was a kid, the very first one, okay. you know, the very first Star Wars movie they made. Not to be mistaken for Episode One. So I'm not Episode that, Four. I, I'm, yeah, <laughs> Episode Four. Yeah, and I just remember just being dazzled by. It. I think my first initial thought as a kid is I'm going to be an astronaut. Okay. And I think later on I realized, well, that's not exactly what being an astronaut is about. Then I said, I'm going to be an actor. And I think I still want to be an actor, by the way. But, uh, you know, I think I got really heavily into the process when I was a kid, too. So I I really wanted to understand what it was about. Really loved Lucas and Spielberg. Then I really got into Asian cinema, John Woo specifically, Bruce Lee movies. Things of that sort really kind of started to hit me really hard. Like, I want to make that. And then 
you know, I got went to Asian American studies and I said, I want to represent like <laughs> Asian, Asian, uh, Asian Americans in the mass media. And then I thought, well, if you're going to do a vampire film. You better do it about something that you, you can relate to that's close okay. to you. Yeah. Cool. So should I, should I dare ask, what do you think of Ghost in the Shell? Oh boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> There's a, actually that, that 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 has to be lumped some with a bunch of other movies, <laughs> you know. I mean, Ghost in the Shell. I mean, I'm a big fan of the original, right? Okay. So it's like the casting decision. I know it's it's controversial, and I, I I really wasn't for it whatsoever. And I know that you know when you ask Japanese people, because you know you know what they think about it, it's going to be dramatically different than what Asian Americans think about Ghost in the Shell. And I'm not going to even debate. I'm not even going to step into that debate. But I just think that as a whole, like Asian Americans are not being well represented in the mass media, and we need definitely more, more platforms to actually have just actors be. I think I just went to go see uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I thought, wow, that's cool. We got two Asian Americans in this movie, and they are they're just like anybody <laughs> in the movie, you know? Cool, yeah. I, I actually want to go see that movie sometime soon. It's fun. Uh, but uh, I really love the first one. Chris Pratt is hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's great too, yeah. And uh, like you mentioned that Japan and Asian Americans have two different opinions, uh, about opinions it. on it. What, oh, totally. How, how do those... I don't want you necessarily to jump into it. You yeah, yeah. Because you said you didn't want to, but what are the differences? Oh, boy. Well, you know, I mean, like, definitely Asian Americans definitely see the controversy because we don't really feel like we're represented in the mass media in Japan. You know, they just see it as an interpretation of the movie. They don't quite understand the controversy or why Asian Americans are so so deeply offended by the casting choices of that movie. They don't. They, it's, it just doesn't really make sense. Okay, so the Japanese people, people from Japan, I'm talking mm-hmm. about, not Japanese Americans, nope. don't necessarily see a don't, problem with yeah. it? Yeah, they, they don't really, for the most part, from what I've been gathering, because they haven't really seen, like, the problem with it. And it's mostly because, you know, we're, we're, we're coming from, you know, being as an American, it's like we don't, we're just seeing that we're not being represented in the yeah. mass media. And that doesn't, that, you know, if you're over there, it doesn't really, they don't understand what, what, what it's like to be an actor in Hollywood and try yeah. to get the right, the right roles. And I feel like we, could, we have to make that spaces for ourselves. You know, that's why I make a movie like Vampire. It's like I didn't have to like go to anybody to tell them to get greenlit. I greenlit myself. Exactly. <laughs> you, know? Right. you know. Exactly. Um, and more and more people are having to take that route uh, mm-hmm. to like just create something yourself. Right. And once you create something, get a following, it might open up some doors for you. Right. So, what advice do you have for somebody who's looking to get started Boy. in filmmaking? Let's see. That's always a really interesting question. You know, just make films. You know, I mean, I teach it. You know, I teach it to at-risk kids. I teach it to communities I think aren't represented. And I always say, just stay true to what you are, what you are. See how it's you're being represented in the mass media. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What would you change? You know, just make films that are true to you and just try to be really, really darn good at it. And, you know, just know your tools. What would you change about how you how uh, Filipinos are portrayed mm-hmm. or Asian Americans if you I'm don't want to get that specific? I like to be you know like Asian Filipinos and Asian Americans. I like kind of I think we're all in the same boat here in America. So I, as much as possible, just get diverse roles. That's all. You know, I'm not saying to put one is over better or another. It's not about who's better or nothing because we're all the same. We're all people. You know, just yeah. just have more opportunities just like jobs or anything you know just more diverse casting is what i would love to see 
And despite, say, the whole ghost in the shell thing, have you seen improvements in representation? Well, yes, I have, actually. You know, I think it's easy to focus on the bad, but I'm, like, excited that the new Star Trek's coming out. And Star Trek has always been a progressive show to me, you know, ever since the the first initial show with Ahura. But, you know, we have Michelle Yeoh as a captain. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a huge Trekkie myself, but uh, (laughs) partially because like the atmosphere of Star Trek mm-hmm. reminds me of a doctor's office. Oh, and yeah. As a kid, I spent a decent amount of time in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So right, it's right. like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I see what but, you're saying. Well, but, the new new Enterprise looks a little bit better. I mean, well, it's, sorry, good. it's not the Enterprise. Pardon me. It's What's the new one called? Discovery? Uh, the Discovery? Oh, yeah. Right. So that one looks a lot better than the um, the next generation hull, you know, that that was true. They had plants and potted, and potted plants in every corner and, yeah, you know, and fish just, tanks. It just seems so <laughs> sterile, you know, it's just like... That's why they needed a holodeck. Yes, the holodeck. That's the holodeck is where you can get away from it. <laughs> that way you could get, you could do your, your, your Klingon fantasy poker game. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There are definitely some things about Star Trek I always thought were cool, like the beaming up and teleporting of people. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I wish I could do that instead of mm-hmm. a long-ass car drive. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, I was always always liked Star Wars a little bit more mm-hmm. than... Uh, I like Star Wars. Star Wars, too. You got Donnie in in that one, too. That was great. Donnie in there. In yeah. the most the most recent Rogue One, you know, that I've always thought he was great as Ip Man and everything, so I'm like... There's definitely some definite awesome improvements, you know. We got Fresh Off the Boat. If you're not into sci-fi, it's like comedy series, you know. And okay, what what do you think of Fresh Off the Boat? I've seen a couple episodes of it's it. It's cute. It's fun. You know, okay. it's like, it's accessible. It's like, you know, not everything has to be edgy. Yeah. It's like, I don't expect everybody to like what I do as a, doing Vampiria. It's like, that's a, not every, I, I get that a lot. I don't like horror films. I did try to make a very accessible horror film. I remember like... I'm going to some people like, okay, you know, I don't like horror film. This kind of horror film is for you. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it doesn't you know. have like a lot of the jump scares. Yeah, I did. I, I kind of toned it down a bit for that, a little bit, because I wanted to make it a film that you can get behind even if you weren't into it. But I felt like it was important to do something that did have scares. Mind you, it is gets gory and it gets violent yes. and it gets, and it does have its eerie, weird moments, but I, I, I wanted to make it an accessible film where you do you weren't going to go home and like have nightmares and never want to see it again, you know? But yeah, yeah, definitely. And don't take your three-year-olds to it. Yeah, I but... wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> there's some adult um, adult themes in this movie, so just don't. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's well done, well, Thank well you. written, and the special effects, you know, a lot of independent films, mm-hmm. like, lack in the special effects area. I was truly impressed with the special effects. Thank you. This, Appreciate so. it, yeah. Um, now, what are you doing currently to promote the film? I know oh, wow. you got the film festivals. Yes. But well, I mean, it's been fun because every single festival I've pretty much been to, I, I dress up. You know, I go all out. I, I dress up in the costume, and uh, some people even wonder, what the heck is up with this guy, right? I remember, like, I'm at the first festival, and I just said, okay, I'm going to the opening night gala in my total vampire getup, right? And everybody <laughs> was just like, okay, what is this freak doing here, right? And then, you know, and I have to, exp- I, I would explain it. I remember, uh, what's his name, who plays um, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, right? Okay, John Heater. Yeah, yeah, he, he saw me walking around there and he was all like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, just imagine like um, Napoleon Dynamite asking you, what are you doing? What are you Dude. dressed that way? <laughs> 
<laughs> Where are your moon boots? <laughs> now, he, but a funny thing, he's nothing like that in person. But it was just hilarious to have him ask me, like, "What are you doing at an Asian film festival of all things?" Too, you know, that, like that's cool. Well, what was he there for? Um, he was for another film. You okay. know, he was he was he was co-starring in another film, so it was kind of fun to see that. And you know, I. I um, some festivals really love it and get off. They get like all the photos and selfies with me with that, and it gets you talking. It gets the hashtags going. Vampiria, what is this thing? Why does okay. it? Yeah, the director actually are... shows up in costume and junk. You know, people are like, "What is with the vampire here? Have you seen the vampire here? Have you seen the vampire walk?" Right, around? right. It's a little bit of buzz. So. It does. You know, it's it. it I, I try to go all out with that. You know, it stems from the whole cosplay community and the whole comic conventions because I would my original promotion was go around the film fest I'm sorry the comic conventions do little panel discussions on the movie and then I'd show up in costume because everybody's in costume with no big <laughs> well if I'm, if I'm showing up in costume there why can't I show up at the film festivals the same exact way yeah you know like film, filmmakers don't typically they have a but they don't there's nothing flashy or anything about the way they look it's like well you know I'm a different kind of filmmaker I remember running I, at one festival. I was so excited to meet John Woo, you know, one of my yeah. filmmaking heroes. Oh my God, John Woo! But you know, he looks like some my uncle or something. I mean, he's kind of a <laughs> he's kind of a normal looking dude, right? You know, he's not. He was not, he was walking alongside Tom Cruise when he was doing MI, and he was talking about how people wouldn't think anything of him. They would be all flocking to Tom Cruise. But the rock star to me was that that uncle-looking dude that he's with, <laughs> right? You know, it's like he's just this old Chinese guy, right? you know? And, you know, it's really crazy, like, how a lot of these people look so out of, like, so huge and so surreal on television. But you meet them in person, and it's like... The guy just looks like Timmy down the street. You know? Right, right. So it's almost surreal in a way. Right, right. Meeting your icons and stuff like that and having, finding out they are real people. I heard, they, <laughs> I heard they say the same thing about Tom Cruise, too. It's like, he's not as special looking in person. You know? <laughs> I, I hear that he is, like, really intriguing to meet. Mm-hmm. Like, really, he's very personable with people. Just too bad he's gone batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> It's like, I think it's all the Scientology going on there. Yeah, yeah. Scientologists might not like this podcast now, nope. but I'm nope. okay. I'm not it's all rich. Right. I don't, I'm not trying to impress Scientologists, although no. they are well connected in Hollywood, so I might have burnt some bridges right now. I'm sorry, man. We can edit that out if we you can want. We can edit but that out. Yep. Scientology is going to ruin me. We're not going to edit it out. We're not going to We're not going to talk about Scientology. <laughs> yes, L. Ron Hubbard or whatever. He's been dead for a long time, man. I know, I know, but his ghost will He's come back haunting Hollywood like no one's yes. business. Yes. That's real that's real ghost stories right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh how is the Haunted Bay doing right now? Haunted Bay's great. Actually, let me see what's what did we do last cuz we we seen the great the the uh the Great Star Theater. Yeah. We did we we actually just one location that we've been to and I'm hoping that we get to show this footage at some point because there is this one place out in the East Bay that is probably the most active location we've ever been to. And I'm, and I told you on my last, po- the last podcast that I'm the type of person that doesn't get, like the feeling. Yeah. Right. But I remember it's a, it's I'm going up to this supposed haunted location where all these really horrible. I can go in detail what they talked about, but I'm driving up to this location and I remember, like my hair standing up on end. Really. And I'm thinking to myself, it's a bright sunny day in East Bay, but I just remember that my hand was hair was standing on end about this, and I was like, this is not normal. I'm like listening to radio, some not, I know I listened to a lot of like goth industrial music, but I wasn't listening to anything particularly dark or scary at that moment. Yeah. It was probably something on the radio that they were playing, right? And I just like, 
this is so bizarre. You know, why am I all, 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 all feeling kind of like this kind of eerie feeling? And then the closer and closer and I got to the building or inside the building, the stronger and more intense the feeling felt. And then even Ying, you know, the, the, the main producer, director yeah. of the show, she was surprised because she said, I felt nothing. But why are you feeling something? And then it turns out that there's like reports of shadow people, people being attacked by these things, being pushed. Um, and where is this at? This is in the East Bay. I'm not really allowed to disclose the location because we don't have the rights to talk about it yet. Okay. okay. And, but we're hoping they'll have us come in again. I did film some stuff there. I did some uh, EVP stuff. We haven't even really gone through all the video yet to see if anything came out. But it was a weird location. It was, I'll say it's a warehouse where they sell a bunch of linen and stuff. But okay. the coworkers are having a lot of trouble with the actual space. And from what I'm hearing, they're actually having trouble keeping their employees because of it. It's becoming an HR-related issue. Oh, wow. So HR is really upset right now because of this, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Did did you guys ever go back to the Rock Chucker place? We did, but you know when we did go back, there was this really big camper van parked there with a big generator that was humming really, really loud. And I was all excited because I heard that this was... 100% 100% always something happens when you go there. Yeah. And, and of all things, this stupid camper van destroys it from me. We can't hear anything. It's just loud and horrible. To recap, the, I want to tell a little bit about the rock chucker yeah. uh, incident, just so people who may have missed the last episode, mm-hmm. uh, Haunted Bay here on Uncontained. I don't remember episode number, but what is the story behind the rock chucker? Well, nobody knows for sure exactly. All I know is that... They think somebody died there, a kid maybe. And if you, if you say rock chucker, rock chucker, throw a rock, that you'll hear really loud rocks chucking under this underpass in Livermore, California. Okay. And I recall that, like, being that we couldn't do the experiments the same way, we tried to make reproduce that particular sound, throw the rocks. I mean, if you've seen the video, and you can link, the, we can link the video here if you guys you know want to see it. Okay. But it's yeah, just, I'll put uh, it in my show notes. Is that this? That was really loud really loud sound that it produced. And we, it was hard for us to do it. We had two guys throwing at our hardest at the ground and at the walls and trying to reproduce the same sound. And we could not figure out how that sound was even reproduced. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you weren't able to get footage the second time around. No, we were very disappointed. We were so pissed. I took some photos and was, was booing. I was about to tell the guy, can you shut that thing off? <laughs> and get out of here. This is our spot, you know. Yeah, or, yeah. I don't know. Call the police. Say, hey, someone's illegally camping here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I want to get some supernatural activity. Right, right. You know, I'm gonna be that much of an a hole, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, got the SF Haunted Bay. Mm-hmm. You've got Vampiria. Yeah. What is a highlight uh, of your career that you would like to share? Oh man, I mean. The fact that you get to travel the world is one thing, you know, just being in so many different places, you know. I think I haven't been traveling as much as I want to because I've been stuck in the Bay trying to make this film happen for the last four years. Yeah. Then finally at the end, it was like, I get to tour all around the world to show the film that it took me so long to make here in the Bay Area, you know. Gone to L.A. a gazillion times, of course. Not that big a deal because we're only driving distance. But to yeah. get to New York, you know, to be able to go up to Eugene, Oregon, to, to play in San Luis Obispo. And we have a few more screening dates coming up in Seattle. Then be able to go to Asia, which is a place that's very close to my heart, you know. <laughs> you know. I did the, the... He did make a heart shape. I made a heart shape with my hand because, you know, that's what we do. 
that's an Asian thing, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> a thug life like that, you know, uh, and, um, you know, being able to go back to the, our home country, the Philippines, where they origin, originated from, and then eventually we're going to Transylvania next week. Yeah, next yeah, week. Yeah, by the time this airs, you'll, al- you'll already be in Transylvania. I'll be in Transylvania, yep. That's got to be kind of cool with a vampire movie going to right, a right. place that's known pretty much only for vampires. Right, you know, and I'm, I am a little nervous about being like, hopefully I'm not offending, you know, Romanians by uh, saying, oh, we're here for vampires, because there's so much more to their culture than just vampires, right? And, I, know, I'm the sure lore. there is. I don't know any of it. I'll be, I guess I'm mm-hmm. the stupid American, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I had to research on their food, but, you know, I, from what I've been gathering, there's a lot of similarities between Romania and the Philippines okay. and, in terms of just their status in the world, about the type of the economy, the type of governments that they've had over the time in history. So I'm sure that there's some themes, I'm sure that, although from a very, very different part of the world, very different climate of the world. Yeah. We, you know, the fact that we both have vampire lores and legends that we actually, you know, have are, are two different sides of a of a very unique coin, you know. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I'm very happy to be sort of the representative of Filipino folklore in the capital of vampire. So I consider myself a Filipino vampire diplomat, you know. So <laughs> the, the ambassador. The ambassador of, of uh, the ambassador of the Aswangs, you know. The, uh, <laughs> so it's like. Um, it's kind of an honor to be to be the person that, to come there with this legend and talk about it there because you know I mean it's almost as if like they they acknowledge that there are different kinds of vampires you yeah know? they're so, like we don't have the entire market on the vampire right but uh, we're welcome to other vampires exactly so you know it was pretty unique that they 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 recognize that and I know that the the festival organizers are very academic and if you if you pick up any bo- any roundabout books about vampires in general they will have a section that talks specifically about legends from the philippines you know so it it's a liked vampire throughout the ages like they did the the anime series about blade and i know they included them into that series so it's not like we're an unknown there's a total unknown to vampire enthusiasts so if you're a vampire enthusiast this is something to know okay okay so besides besides vampiria uh, what are a couple vampire movies that you would recommend hmm. for people to check out? Okay, let's start with the classics, and we'll move our way up to more modern stuff here. Okay. The classics for, for uh, vampire films, Nosferatu, 1922, from the German expressionist movement, silent film. Then you can move your way up to Bela Lugosi, some of the Hammer horror films. As far as modern stuff goes, man, I'm a big fan of like The Lost Boys and Blade, Underworld... Um, man, the list keeps going on with these ones here. Even cheesier ones like uh, Fright Night from the 80s. That was really fun. Okay. So there's just so many different vampire films. I like the Iranian, Iranian film, um, uh, The Girl Walks Alone at Night. That was really, really great to watch. And um, I love the Mr. Vampire series from Hong Kong because that's where I get the, the whole Gung Si legend. I thought that was hilarious that you got hopping vampires. Yeah, I, 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 did, I was not aware of that type of vampire either. That's why uh, Mr. Fang is in the film, and he, that's why I had to reference that one. And by the way, it's like, although the geographic distance between Hong Kong and the Philippines is fairly close. It's like if you take a plane ride, that's like a trip to LA, really. Okay. Those two characters, the, the vampires from the Hong Kong and Philippines never met till Vampiria, I think. <laughs> really? There's yeah. no uh, no film evidence of uh, the two of them coexisting? I don't think it's ever happened. 
It's like, so I'm like looking around. And I don't think that us Wongs have ever faced off with Gyeongsi ever. So <laughs> I think in, in, in part of my mind, I was thinking, what would that look like? And I remember my fight choreographer thought I was nuts when I told him what was going to do. He goes, you got a vampire that hops around, who's stiff as a corpse, and then you got a legless winged vampire, and they're going to fight. Yes. How's that going to even look? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You yeah, help yeah, me that. With that. <laughs> and I, he, he, he was good. I mean, Pierre Parker, our fight choreographer, is amazing about helping us figure out how to do that. But it's, um, I'm trying to think of any other films that are really inspirational. I know I got a long list of them, but I think I named some of the main ones. Oh, Interview with a Vampire. Don't forget that one. Yes. Okay, of course. You can't forget that one. That one's like somewhat of a modern classic. So. And Lost Boys, you know, combine those two. Somewhere if you combine them all together, you got my film. The first the first Lost Boys. I don't know. I, yeah. I heard the second one wasn't very... Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't bother. Yeah, neither did I. I. I just heard like, oh man, that's just crap. But, you know, if you liked it... Right, right. When somebody watches one of your movies uh, in the theater or at home, what do you want them to take away from the movie? What do you want them to remember about it? Wow, you know, that was like one of the first questions I was ever asked at a film festival, but it was asked by a Filipino woman, and she actually asked me about Filipinos, what they want to take away from it. So I guess I'll start with that, start with that, then work my way outward. The first thing I said was that we can be strong, we can be powerful. Okay. We could be anything we really want to be, because like when you think about it, they got really strong women characters, and they don't take any anybody any business from anybody and even though society sort of kind of holding them back they somehow push on through and i see this film I, again it comes down to the same thing you know, we, and you know just we could just make strong characters that can be whatever they want to be you know although the movie is a horror film it's a movie that even as a horror if you're not a horror fan i hope that you will appreciate it Great. So is there anything different between, uh, say, what you want Filipinos to take away and the average person? N not as much, you know, just that I think that it just I liked others to recognize we're even we're even here. You know, I mean, it seems like, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes about who we are and what we are. And I just want to show that we could just be like anybody else. We can be just like Blade. If we want to be just like Blade, right? I mean, or we could be like Celine from Underworld. You know, it doesn't matter what. And of course, that's these are fantasy examples. Yes. You know, there's not not real world examples. We could be a doctor if we want to be a doctor. We can be an artist. It's, it's what, it's what all fun a is it to be a doctor else. when you could be a vampire? Exactly. You know, I was like, <laughs> that's actually I, I, this week I actually had to quit my job because I'm going to go start another job. But it was okay. just really funny. My going away speech was, yeah. I'm quitting and I'm going to va I'm going to Transylvania to be a vampire, right? And that was that was uh, that was legit. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. So, um, I have one more question for yeah. you before we wrap this up. Sure though. thing. Thank I you. Want, will you tell the people where they can get a hold of you? Like websites, social media. Where are you at? Where can they find you? Well, I have a website, vampiria.com, um, and we also have a Facebook page. You can also search that under Vampiria V. A M P A R I A H, uh, and I will definitely have that in the show notes. So if uh, yeah. you didn't have anything to write that down, mm -hmm. if you want we'll, to follow we'll me out. personally, I'm I don't care productions on Instagram, one word, um, and on Twitter, Matthew Abaya, and there's also a separate Vampiria Twitter page, which usually sends out some of the same content. So if you if you basically hashtag Vampiria or you search Vampiria online, you'll find all of our basic. Uh, searches 
Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So I have asked you this question once before while we were on the Haunted Bay podcast. If your answer changes, cool. If it's the same, you're All consistent. Right. Okay. I hope I am consistent with this one. <laughs> it's been a minute since that last interview, so I'm forget- remember, trying to remember what I said now. It's all right. It's all right. Just answer how whatever comes to your mind. Matthew Avaya, how do you live uncontained? I live uncontained because, you know, making a movie is something that you have to think outside the box, especially when you don't have very little means. When you're trying to represent yourself and try to make your thing, you just got to go for it. And you just don't get contained by anything. I know you've probably had people come up to you and be like, dude, you know, making film, that's a big risk. Mm-hmm. Well, you should, you should work a safe job. What do you do to, like, what keeps you going? You know, do you really want to live your life safe? I mean, it's like, you know, you only live once. I mean, the, for all I know, the most precious resource we have is time, and time is very precious. You know, I take, I value my time, I value your time, I value all of our time that we have together. And it's like, if we don't spend it with any kind of meaning and doing things, you know, we try to live safely, you yeah. know, you're really not living, you know. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for coming on for mm-hmm. the second time. Thank I think you. you're my first official repeat guest. Thank you so much for having me as a repeat guest. It's an honor. I wish you great luck with Vampiria. I enjoyed it. You guys should all go out. Uh, is it available for people oh, to watch yet? Yes. Thank you. So it is under, it is distributed. It is distributed right now under um, ITN is the distributor. I don't know the exact release date they're going to have for it. But I know they're all really excited that we had all these uh, awards. And we're up for the Golden Stake Award, by the way, in, in Transylvania, by the way. So okay. they're all excited that we are, we're are we making it. some waves here. So I'm hoping you guys will like go to like this link. I can, I can send it to you. But it's to request it on various media like Netflix and Redbox and all that. So okay, yeah, you will I'll, be able to see it there. I'll, I'll share that. I'll share that. Uh, you'll have to send it to me first. So, cause, yeah, you can request yeah. any title. So if like, you tell me, I won't yeah, remember. <laughs> so if you have three titles that you, you like, right, you can request it on Netflix or something, you know. So you can say, oh, Vampiria, um, the season three of, I don't know, uh, friggin' uh, Twin Peaks and then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, some, some, some obscure thing that you never heard, of, you know, that most people haven't heard of that you like, you know, you can just write it in. All right, perfect, perfect. Thank you. I have one more thing for you to do before yes. we before I let you go and sign off the show. Okay. Uh, will you do me the honor of signing off the show today? Yes. My name is Matthew Baya, a.k.a. Hazmat, and I live uncontained. And that does it for this week's episode of Uncontained. Thank you to Matthew Abaya for stopping in and talking with me. And thank you for listening and spreading the word. Yes, please find Uncontained on social media. And and let me know what you're thinking of the show. If there's somebody you'd love to hear on the show, if there's uh, questions, comment, or just want to drop in and say hi or share how you live uncontained, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Uncontained Pod. Or you can hit me up on my website at uncontainedpod.com. I will also include Matthew Abaya's. I will also include Matthew Abaya's contact information in the show notes along with the link that you can click to help request to get Vampiria on Netflix so everyone can watch it just like you should. Once again, thanks for listening and until next time, as always, live uncontained.